like to say good evening and welcome you out to our Sunday evening worship here at Mountaineer Missionary Baptist Church. I pray the Lord has blessed you with a wonderful day today. Um, we'll be in the book of Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 11 this morning. As we continue our studies through the book of Romans, uh, we've done a series of sermons looking at uh, what Paul says in the book of Romans about justification by faith. Uh, we've talked about Paul so much the, the last few weeks. This morning when I was talking about David, I even called David Paul uh, once or twice. But uh, we pray that it's a blessing to you that you see how good God is, that we are justified by faith and faith alone, um, and how awesome a God it is that we truly serve. Going over our announcements before we get started. Wednesday night at 7, we'll have um, our Wednesday night Bible studies. We preach our next lesson out of the book of Romans. And then next Sunday morning at 1030, we'll be back at Sunday school on Facebook. Uh, we pray that um, as things are starting to calm down a little bit with this uh, horrible coronavirus that's going around, that maybe we'll get to get back together and worship real soon in a safe setting. Um, let's be much in prayer um, at wherever you are that we be praying for all those that are working, all those that are um, having to be out and around this stuff. Pray for our weak and our elderly as they are the most susceptible with this. Pray for our world leaders as they have some very important decisions to make coming forward over the next uh, few weeks. And that uh, the Lord will have his hand in all these things. And we give him the praise, the honor for the fact that uh, we are having some good news. There's a lot of tragedy. It's a horrible, horrible disease that has tragically took so many lives. But we are seeing uh, that it is starting to lighten up in parts of the world. We, we do thank God for that. Let's, uh, before we get into God's word this morning, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Most kind, gracious, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, to come to, to people via Facebook and to preach your word to them, Lord. We pray, Lord, as we are in your word tonight, Lord, that you would use the preaching of it, Lord, to bring faith to those, Lord, that may be unsaved, that they would become born again and, and become uh, followers of you. We pray, Lord, that you got our thoughts and our mind, Lord, that uh, we may say and, and, and bring out the thoughts that you would desire people to hear. We pray, Lord, that you forgive us for our sins and the times that we fall short, Lord. And we, we thank you so much for, for Jesus Christ and the, what you've done through him, that we may have salvation and that we may be saved and be in a right standing with you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for your word. We know the power that was within it, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit would use it, Lord, to work into people's lives today, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans 8, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. 
But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. We, we thank God for his, his word this evening. And we are looking at uh, life in the spirit this evening. And as we look in, at life in the spirit, there's, there's three things we want to look at here. We're going to talk about freedom in the spirit, fulfillment in the spirit, and fellowship in the spirit. We've done R's this morning, we're doing F's this evening. Freedom in the spirit, fulfillment in the spirit, and fellowship in the spirit. As we look at freedom in the spirit, the spirit has made us free from certain things. And as Paul brings out here, the two main things he's made us free from is sin and death. And we've studied that throughout the last few weeks. But in verse 1, Paul gives us a statement that we should all remember. It should encourage all of us that are in Christ that you cannot be condemned. Now, that should be awesome that we know that if we are in Christ, that we have passed from death to life and we cannot have condemnation. That means if you are truly saved, and you say, well, let's start off with how do you know you're truly saved? It's real simple. If you sin and the Spirit of God convicts you and you are trusting in Christ, then you're saved. Now, let's make it even simpler than that. How do I know I'm in Mount, at Mountaineer Missionary Baptist Church? Because I am in Mountaineer Missionary Baptist Church. How do I know that I am in Christ? Because I am positionally in Christ. Uh, my faith, I'm trusting in Christ. Because I am trusting in Christ, I am in Christ. It's simple as that. Let's not complicate it. Um, I have met so many people that present the question, how do I know that I'm saved? Well, that's a terrifying thought. I could not imagine living my life not knowing if I'm saved. Because how are you to know if you lay your head down at night and don't wake up that you're not going to wind up in hell if you're not saved? You have no assurance, but we should have assurance in our salvation. If we are truly trusting in Christ, then we're saved. It's as simple as that. And as we see in the book of Romans here, that we are going to see that because we have trusted in Christ over time, Christ does a work in our lives. God does a work in our lives, the working of the Holy Spirit, progressively working in us. But if we are in Christ, if we are trusting in Christ, we are not condemned. We may be convicted because the Bible tells us that a good father chastises or corrects his children, which means if you are a born-again believer and God is your heavenly father, if he's a good father, he has to correct you when you sin and do wrong. But he doesn't do that to harm you. He does that for your good to correct you. If you are his children, you should expect his correction. You see, God does nothing to harm his children. He's not an abusive father. I don't know how many people has preached this God that is out there being mean and cruel to his own children. We are his children. Children, we are his church, we are adopted into the family of God, and we, we are part of his sheepfold. Why would he want to harm us? Have you ever met a shepherd that's out there beating on his own sheep? That, that would be illogical. So God is not going to abuse his children. He is going to correct them. He's going to chastise them. We should fearly and reverently uh, respect him, just as we respect our own parents here on earth but more so because of his position. But that doesn't mean we are condemned. That means we are convicted when we do wrong. 
You see, he gives us a, a fact there that troubles a lot of people. And, and if we look at true biblical Christianity, there's a lot of things being preached today that is not true biblical Christianity. Because he tells us there in verse 1, Paul does, that to not be under condemnation, to be in Christ Jesus, that means we don't walk after the flesh, but we walk after the Spirit. Let's simplify that. That doesn't mean we live a sinless life. That's not what that means. What that means is that we intentionally, purposefully, do our best to follow after God and not follow after our flesh. If we are willfully walking in disobedience, it means continually walking in disobedience, continually live in unrepentant sin, Paul is saying you're not saved. Now that should trouble a lot of people that's listening to this tonight. Because I don't know how many people have come and said, you know what, I'm a Christian because I, you know, I wear a cross. I believe in Jesus. Well, the Bible says that the devil believes and trembles. But we know he's not going to heaven. So why do you think you should go to heaven? Because you believe and don't tremble. If you are truly saved, Paul is showing us here, you will walk after the Spirit. You will intentionally attempt to live a life after what God wills for you and not just after what your flesh desires. Make mistakes? Yeah, you better believe you're going to. As long as you're in the flesh, you're not perfect. But it will not be intentional. It will not be purposeful. It will not be continual. When God shows you your error, you repent. That's the difference. He tells us, Paul explains why this is true in verse 2, because the Spirit has made us free from serving sin and death. You see, it's enabled us to escape what we could not escape on our own. On our own, we could do nothing but sin. Because just as we've learned the last few weeks, we had nothing but an Adam nature. It was that we had nothing but a fleshly, a sinful, worldly nature. We knew these rules and these laws that we were taught in Sunday school. We knew mom and dad's rules and laws, but it doesn't make it less sinful because we're not doing them as an act of faith. Anything outside of faith is sin. But once we place our faith in Christ, once we trust in Christ, and the Spirit comes to live within us, and it shows us, it sets us free from that bondage of sin, that sin is no longer our master, we can follow Christ in the Spirit of the law. That doesn't mean the law of Moses. That means after the Holy Spirit of God, which is leading us. You see, we don't want to serve sin once we're saved because we are finally set free from that. If you were a slave to something that was controlling you and it was taken away from you and you were set free from that control, man, you would never want to go back to it again. For me, my slave was sweets. Now, that may sound crazy. My physical slave however, was sweets. Uh, I had a Sugar problem. I could eat a whole box of cookies in one setting. Like it was, it was my slave master. And I finally got to a point where I said, you know, I'm not going to eat it at all. I'm not going to touch the stuff. And when I quit eating it, quit consuming it, that, that physical addiction went away and the control I had over me left too. Now, when it left me, 
I didn't want to go back to that because I didn't want to be controlled by that. I didn't want that uh, over my life. I was set free. When we become saved, the Spirit of God sets us free from the control of sin and the, and the threat of death. We're made spiritually alive. And we are not made spiritually alive to spiritually die. We're made spiritually alive, as John 3 says, eternally, forever, never dying. See, John 11, 26 says, And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? It's Jesus speaking. If you believe in Jesus, you'll never die. You may physically die. You'll never spiritually die. You'll simply go from one place to the next. You'll leave, you'll break, you'll, you'll, this, this body will, will pass away, and eternally you will go to be with God. You see, the law, the law demands a perfect righteousness. And we see a fulfillment of this in the Spirit, our point two. So we have freedom and set free from, from sin and death in the Spirit, but we have also a fellowship. Sorry, we have fulfillment in the Spirit. The law demands a perfect, righteous, and observance of the law. Now, this is what really got Paul's attention, as we saw in the last few verses, because Paul was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were all big on the law, just to simplify things. And Paul felt he was doing really good until he found the teachings of Jesus, because Jesus says it's not just how you, your actions, it's your intentions as well, and your thoughts as well. Because he makes the comparisons we've studied the last few weeks that you may have never physically committed murder, but to, to hate someone in the heart is to murder them in the heart. You may never physically committed adultery, but to look on someone in lust is to commit adultery in the heart. And I'm going to throw another one at you that, that is on the podcast, but I don't think I put it on the video recording. We are all guilty of murder because we all are associated with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The reason Jesus was crucified on the cross is because of our sins. So we are the reason that Jesus died. So we are guilty by association of the murder of Jesus. Think about that. You and I are murderers in that sense. Looked it up today. There are 613 laws total in the Old Testament. Now, we, we, most people know those 10. We've memorized them throughout Sunday school, vacation Bible schools, things like that. But 613, and I can tell you for a fact that you do not keep them all the time. See, that's the tricky thing about laws. You may keep them most of the time, but the one time you break one, you're guilty of a crime. It's a pretty, pretty tough standard. And it's not that the law was weak and it wasn't good. The law is perfect. It's created by God. God had a very perfect purpose for it. But in the law, we are too weak in the flesh to keep the law. Now, if we're made right by keeping the law, we're kept right, I guess you should say, by keeping the law, and we can't keep the law because our flesh is too weak, we're in a lot of trouble. But God saw that. And through his love, he sent Jesus Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus came in the flesh, and it says like sinful flesh, because Jesus' flesh was not sinful. My flesh is sinful. Your flesh is sinful. Every 
person who's ever been uh, conceived has a sinful flesh, but God sent Christ in the flesh, but he never sinned. And because he never sinned, even though he was fully human, he was also fully divine, and through that he fully kept the law. Every dot, every iota was kept by Christ. In fact, we see here by what Paul is teaching in the book of Romans chapter 8 that the whole reason Christ came to earth was because of our sins to keep the law for us. Now, if you don't see God's love in that, you're missing something beautiful here. Because God looked down at his creation, and he saw a creation that could not make the standard. So because of that, he sends his son Jesus to earth to keep the standard for us. That we may have an opportunity to be made right with God through the, the, the work of Jesus Christ. That the wretched sinner, Justin Basden, can have a relationship with my Creator God because Jesus came and kept the law and took my place as a sacrifice for me. You see, through Him we see that God condemns sin. For all those that are in Jesus, not that He did not just condemn sin, He condemned our personal sin. In other words, if you are in Jesus, your sin has already been punished. In Jesus, it is final on the cross, uh, which means he will never bring your sin up against you again. For double jeopardy? Double jeopardy is illegal in the United States, and what it is is if you, are, uh, if you pay the penalty for a crime, you cannot be trialed and be punished for the same crime twice. When I place my faith in Christ and Jesus... Uh, took the punishment for my sins on the cross of Calvary. That means God will not bring my sins back up against me. When I am in Christ, He will not condemn me for my sins because my sins have already been condemned in Jesus. In fact, the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And isn't it funny how quick that Christians... Want to point at each other and say, well, you know, if they don't act very Christ-like, I bet they're not really saved. When it is not our place to, to judge a person's salvation. Now, that doesn't mean we don't, we don't condemn sin uh, when we see a brother, but when we do that, we're not condemning it to a, a heaven-hell situation. I haven't found going here, but we'll talk about this for just a minute. You know, when I see a brother in sin, I'm supposed to go to him through a series of steps that we are given in the Bible to try to bring him back to a, a, a place he needs to be where God desires him to be. It's about reconciliation, not about uh, redemption. He's done been redeemed. We want to reconcile him back to a, a place that God desires him to be. Which means if I see a brother in sin, I go to him one-on-one. -on -one, and if, if he still doesn't repent, I bring someone else with me. If he still doesn't repent, I bring him up in front of the church. Um, and at that point, biblically speaking, a lot of people, they had to be taken out of fellowship because of refusal to repent. And Paul even mentions one, one place in the Bible, he talks about people who uh, abandon the church. And he, a lot of times he, he, what he says is something to the extent... Uh, they went out from us because they were not of us. A surefire sign that a person 
um, does not have the Spirit of God within them is they are not convicted by the Spirit when they sin. Uh, they are not moved by the Spirit when they sin. And if the Spirit is not moving you, if God is not correcting you, then you may be an orphan still yet. And that went down a whole other chase. I hadn't planned on going down, but that's okay. Someone may need to hear that this evening. You see, your, your, your payment for your sin is final. And we see people who try to get saved again and again and again and again and again. And they get baptized again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And I have to ask the question when that is occurring in someone, if they come to me, I try not to get involved in, 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 unless it's necessary. But the question I have is what is what are you making that is justifying you? Is it Jesus Christ? On the, is it Jesus' crucifixion, your faith in that justifying you? Because if that is justifying you, if that's what's making you saved, Christ is not getting off the cross. The death of Christ is, does not suddenly become powerless. The death of Christ is, is forever standing. So if you place your faith in him and your name is recorded in that Lamb's book of life, that should be eternal. That should be final. That should be written in stone. You should have assurance in that, that you can trust in that for your salvation. If I could not trust that I am not only saved by the shed blood of Christ, but I am kept by the, the sealing of the Holy Spirit, that means I don't have much assurance. My, my, my assurance, if it's based on works, is in myself. If I believe that my works is what's going to get me into heaven, the good things that I'm doing, it is not Christ that is my Savior. I'm trying to make myself my own Savior. But my Savior is Jesus Christ. And because he died and I trusted him, my salvation is eternal. My salvation is forever in him. It's in Christ. The Bible says that no one can pluck us out of the Father's hand. No one. Eternal. Forever we are in him if we are in him. You see, when Christ died for us, we place our faith in him. That fulfills that righteous requirement that the law had it, we have to understand that when God created the law in the Old Testament, that wasn't created, then all of a sudden, okay, we're doing away with that. That standard of perfection is still there. But that standard of perfection, God knew we could never keep, so because of that, he sent Jesus to fulfill it, and when we place our faith in him, that fully fulfills that, that requirement of perfection, of righteousness. And it's fulfilled in his church, not because of our self-righteousness, but because our sin was removed the moment we place our faith on Jesus and in turn him giving us his righteousness required fully everything that God required for us to be in relationship with him. You Again, we see this balance of justification and sanctification. And just to clarify... I don't want no one to be to be um, to be confused by this. Your works does not save you, but we see in the book of James it says faith without works is dead, which means we are not saved by our works, but because we are saved, God does works in us. Because we are saved and made alive and spiritually in Christ Jesus. We follow after the Spirit of God. 
because of the working that it does in us. You see, the God we serve is not a dead God. It's not Our faith is not in some picture or some storybook. Our faith is in a true living God that does a true work in us at the moment that we are justified. Justified. And even when you make a mistake, you are still justified. But we repent, ask for forgiveness... Because we have a love for God, we want to have a close fellowship, intimate fellowship with Him. Not only do we have freedom in the Spirit and fulfillment in the Spirit, we have fellowship in the Spirit. See, through the Spirit, we have fellowship with each other. We have, we have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus is the way to the Father, which means if Jesus is the way to the Father, only through the Spirit can we have a relationship with the Father because the Spirit marries a Trinity God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, which means God is in me the minute I place my faith in Christ. The minute you place your faith in Christ, God is in you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And the same Spirit that is within me as a believer is in every other believer throughout the world. In these next few verses, Paul gives us several contrasting differences. Paul shows that the carnal and the spiritual are complete opposite. I get really aggravated when people say that, well, they're saved, they're just a carnal Christian. And that's not to say that we cannot sometimes get too worldly. But that is to say a Christian does not stay too worldly. That is to say a Christian does not operate in the world, does not follow after the world. We are progressively sanctified. Verse 5, Paul shows us that our physical nature reveals our spiritual nature. I said a, a while back that a pastor one time made the statement and it stuck with me. If it quacks like a duck and swims like a duck, it's probably a duck. If it looks like the world, acts like the world, and talks like the world, there's a good chance it's of the world. And too many times we're trying to assure people of their salvation that really is not as sure as they want to believe it is because they're not doing the things they're supposed to do. And they're not living the life that a, the Bible says they type and figure of a Christian life. And they're, they're, they're not loving. They, they don't have any of the fruits of the Spirit. And yet we want to say, well, I remember back when you were three, you went to an altar and you got baptized. And because you did that, you're going to go to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. I mean, at that point, did they even understand what sin was? Did they even understand that they were breaking the law of a holy, perfect God? Did they understand anything about that they were condemned? Did they, did they understand? And I'm not saying you got to know all the wording, but I'm saying you should have some spiritual understanding as the Spirit calls you. Because the Bible says that none of us seek after God, which means that the Spirit of God has not called them. They've not sought God. They may be seeking mommy daddy's prayer. They may be seeking pastor's approval. But are they seeking God because the Spirit of God has worked in them and drawn them to God? If not... They may just have a really good religious experience. See, Paul shows us that if we are constantly living a carnal, worldly, fleshly life, that's a good indicator that we are not right with God. 
And in the same way, it shows us that if we are doing our best to live after the Spirit, it's a good indicator that we are in Christ. Now, we have a hard time being the individual to judge that for anyone else. Because I don't know what life you live at home. You don't know what life I live at home. We can put on a great act in front of each other. Or we may just see the mistake that our neighbor makes. But personally, the Bible, the Bible says that we should examine ourselves and make sure we are in the faith. And if I examine myself and say, man, I, I don't really have these fruits of the Spirit. I'm not, you know, I, I've never experienced this growth in God. I've never experienced the convicting power of God upon me. I don't feel this drawing power that the Spirit's supposed to give. That's the time we need to get one-on-one -on -one with God. And make sure that our faith is in God. Make sure we are trusting in Christ. See, in verse 6, he shows us the result that if someone is carnal and unsaved, the end result of that is death. Now, death is something that every human being is fearful of. And I don't care who you are. If you have any lick of common sense, you're, you're scared of death. It's not that you're scared of hell if you're saved, because you know hell is not a threat, but you don't understand death. Death is unknown. No one's ever experienced it to come back and tell you what it's like, and because it's unknown, we have a slight fear of it. If we didn't fear it, we wouldn't be doing things all the time to try to put death off. Uh, taking our vitamins, eating better, losing weight, exercising, social distancing, common sense things we should do to try to stay alive. But... Paul's very clear here that if someone possesses the Holy Spirit, they find life and peace. And that peace is twofold. First off, it's peace with God because I'm not an enmity with God. I'm no longer an enemy of God. I have peace with God, but I also have peace in God. That when things are horrible in this world, I still find my peace is centered in God. That when I am in a moment of absolute turmoil in my life, and we've all had those moments, I can find peace knowing that God is on my side and that God's not... Listen, the coronavirus did not surprise God. War and famine does not surprise God. Terrorist attacks does not surprise God. God, he knows what is coming to pass. He warns in the Bible about wars and rumors of wars and natural disasters and everything that's going to happen when it's we're close to the return of Christ. So th these things aren't surprising to him. And we should find comfort in knowing that Jesus knows where we are. He knows what we're going to go through before we go through it. He's done been there. He's prepared a way for us. You see, as an unsaved, carnal person, we are completely opposed to God. Now, that may offend quite a few of you because you may say, well, I'm unsaved, but I'm not against God. Well, let's look at what the Bible says. The Bible says we cannot serve two masters. It's God or the devil, heaven or hell, flesh or the spirit. If you are serving the flesh, you are going against the spirit. If you are unsaved, that means you are at enmity with God because you're rejecting Jesus Christ and the free gift of salvation that he offers and through that, we are going against God in our own personal life. Now, you may not be stopping the gospel being preached. You may not be going out and, and trying to stop churches from gathering. But you're still personally not giving in to God. You see, 
If you're unsaved, you can't even comprehend submitting to the will of the Holy Spirit. Because you don't have the Holy Spirit. You're spiritually dead. And when you're spiritually dead and the Spirit of God is not within you, you have no way to even understand what the Spirit desires of you. When I was a much younger man and unsaved, I was required to take a philosophy class, and the easiest one I could find to take was New Testament studies. And I knew all kinds of wonderful facts about the New Testament, knew all kinds of historical facts about Paul and Peter and Jesus and all these things, but the Spirit was not in me, and because of that, I could not uh, see the spiritual side of the text. And until you have the Holy Spirit, a lot of this thee, thou's, and thy's don't make a lick of sense to you because the Spirit's not in here to direct you. You don't have that teacher in you, which the Holy Spirit is. You see, an unsaved carnal mind is so self-consumed that the thought of going against ourselves is complete insanity. When I was unsaved, the idea of going to church was, okay, I'm going to go to church because it's, it's good to fellowship. Uh, I enjoy the experience. It's got some good music. Uh, it's going to make people around me happy that I'm going to church. Um, but God was never a part of any of that. And if my point in going to church is even to please God, to make God happy with me, it's still not God-centered, it's me-centered. And even when we look at what or how our mind operates, our mind is all about self-satisfaction. Our mind is all about keeping me happy, keeping me satisfied, that way, I stay at a point of satisfaction. But the Spirit of God says to satisfy God, to please God, to, to humbly serve God. And in the flesh, that is craziness. The, when we, again, we wonder why unsaved people do the things unsaved people do, but it's because really it's the logical thing to do. The idea of on a work night or a school night, staying out late at a building, singing songs and reading a, out of a book is illogical to the flesh, but to the spiritual side, it's the most important thing we do all week long. The people who, you know, we've not been on meat for over a month now, the craving we have to be in God's house and be together, that is the spiritual side of us. The fleshly side enjoys break probably. So those that are unsaved aren't missing this. But those that are saved miss being here. They miss being together. That's the spiritual side of us. That's the Holy Spirit working in us, craving the things that God craves, desiring the things that God desires, and wanting the things that God wants. See, in verse 8, it really drives it home because the carnal man is unsaved and can in no way please God. Isn't that terrifying to think that in yourself there is nothing Nothing, zero you can do to please God. Nothing. The only way to please God is by faith. And, the, you know, really want to have a cool little aha moment to kind of wrap this up on. How do we get saved? By faith. If you please God by faith, and you are saved by faith, through that shows you that faith is the important factor in all this. Now, you're, you 
making that decision is not a work that saves you. It's how you obtain that gift. You see, when we look at the closing of this here in verse 9, Paul's message takes a turn that we're in Christ, then we are in the Spirit. In fact, we are controlled by the flesh and not the Spirit. That's a good sign we don't have the Spirit. If we don't have the Spirit, we don't have God. But in verse 11, God gives us not just life, but eternal life. When we look at verse 11, let's read one more time, where it says, But the Spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. When we look at this in closing out, when the Bible describes salvation, it describes it as being a free gift. Now, it's free for us, but it costs God everything. Because God came in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and paid the price to purchase that full gift when he died on the cross. But just like any gift that you have, you have to have a way to receive it. Here lately, I've been trying to avoid going out because of the virus going around. I don't want to get sick. And it's getting hard to receive things. Um, I have ordered all kinds of crazy stuff that I never thought I ever had to order and deliver to my house in my life. But if it wasn't for the delivery people, I would never receive these items. So Jesus paid the price for your salvation, your free gift. And when you place your faith in Jesus, by God's grace, he gives you that free gift. You receive it. God paid the price. Your faith is how you receive the gift he purchased for you. What do you get as part of that gift? You get eternal life and you are made right with God. Not only that, but just as God raised up Christ from the grave, he's also going to raise us up one day. There's a lot of times I'll go up to the cemetery behind the house and do little things. And I go up there and often think that one day the times will come when that trumpet will sound, these graves will burst forth, and the dead will rise about this grave. Be glorified. What a beautiful promise we're given that, that we are never going to die that is in Christ because in the Spirit we are eternal. We will live forever in Christ. If you are listening tonight and you want that, the Spirit has spoke to you and God has, has showed you that you need a Savior, that you need to be saved. You need the Spirit of God within you. Maybe you thought you were saved, but you say, you, you know, I never experienced any of this, this sanctifying power of the Spirit. I, I've never felt the Spirit of God working in me. And again, your salvation is not based upon feelings. It's based upon faith. But the Spirit should be doing something in there that is, that is doing a work in you. Because the Bible says that work will continue up to the day of our Lord. If, if that work has never taken place and you, you have been saved for some period of time, you may want to self-examine yourself to make sure you're in the faith. And as you are where you are right now, uh, wherever you may be, I want to encourage you to take this moment to examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Have you been saved? Have you been born again? Is your faith in Christ? Are you resting in Him? I'm encouraged that I know that my faith is not in my works. My faith is not in my church membership. My faith is not in my pastorate. My faith is in Christ and what he done on the cross. 
that when he was on the cross, he said the words, it is finished, for he gave up the ghost, meaning that work is done. That pay, it means paid in full. My debt to God because of my sin is paid in full when Jesus died on the cross. And your debt can be paid in full too, that you could have a right standing with God if you're just willing to trust in Jesus Christ. How easy is that? God made it so simple. It's a fail-safe plan. You can't mess up your salvation because you're secure in Him. Jesus is that anchor. Jesus is the cornerstone that everything else is built upon. And because we place our faith in Jesus, we see here that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes into our lives. And because he's in us, it, the Bible says we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Think of it as a brand. If you remember uh, the old Westerns, they would take a, a hot iron and they would brand a cattle to show it belonged to. Well, the, because the Holy Spirit is within me, the Spirit of God, I am marked as being one of God's flock, one of his sheep. And when he, I hear his voice, I know he is my master and I follow him. We would encourage you as we close out this evening in a word of prayer, right where you are, if you want to make today the day that you get saved, if God is speaking to you, you need to answer. Don't make your salvation based upon on anything outside of Jesus. Don't make it based upon even the words you're saying. That's the awesome part about it. The, the prayer of salvation is a outward sign of an inward faith. And God ain't looking for special words or, or anything long drawn out or, or anything else. He's looking for faith. If you are willing to, tonight to trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, you can be saved. I want to encourage you right where you are as we pray to, to pray to God. Admit to Him you're a sinner. Ask Him to save you. Put your trust in His Son, Jesus Christ. In the book of Romans chapter 10, it says, For all those called for the name of the Lord shall be saved. That can be you tonight. So we're going to bow our heads and pray in closing. And we encourage you right where you are to pray that prayer. Most kind, graciously, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach your word this evening. We thank you the opportunity to uh, learn what your spirit does within us and what it gives us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray, Lord, that um, as this virus is decreasing in our, in our world, we pray, Lord, that you would wipe it completely out, Lord, and that you would receive all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory for that, Lord. We pray, Lord, for those who are out working, that you would keep them safe. We pray for, Lord, those on the bed of affliction, Lord, that you would heal them. We pray, Lord, for those that are listening tonight that are unsaved. We pray, Lord, that you would give the increase and save them before it is everlasting too late. We pray, Lord, for all those that are that are trying to find cures to this disease, Lord, and treatments. We pray, Lord, you guide their thoughts. Be with our leaders, Lord, as they make decisions these next few weeks about reopening our states. Pray, Lord, they make the right decisions, Lord, decisions that would be of you. Pray, Lord, that you forgive us where we sin and fall short. And pray, Lord, that you continue to guide us and help us do thy will. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for everything. And in Jesus' name we pray. And amen.